This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Redwood Logistics, a full-service logistics, transportation brokerage, and technology provider. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to shippers. But now, on to the podcast. Digital technology presents tremendous advantages to transportation management, but adapting to it can bring a certain amount of pain. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Point A to point B. Pick it up and drop it off. Nothing could be more straightforward than the act of freight transportation. Unless, of course, you're dealing with a host of complications, such as a driver shortage, capacity crunch, rising costs, and unpredictable demand. That's transportation in the digital age. But new approaches bolstered by technology promise to alleviate much of the pain that shippers and carriers are feeling today. That's the topic of my conversation today with Eric Rempel, Chief Innovation Officer with Redwood Logistics. He'll tell us the two biggest challenges confronting transportation managers today. He'll give us a definition of the solution, digital enablement. And we'll talk about how to enact change management within organizations bracing for the latest wave of transportation technology. So here is my conversation with Eric Rempel. Eric Rempel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. So our topic is pain points of managing transportation in the digital age. I'm wondering if you could tell me what is different about the world today that makes transportation management especially challenging? I joke about it at first and say that we're faxing less, but probably a (laughs) bit more of an answer than that. We look at it in a pretty simple fashion. Transportation management lifecycle goes from planning to execution, management, settlement, and reporting. And over the years, as we've looked at that, it's always been how do we make those more efficient, more productive, better technology. But I would argue the two biggest challenges are integration and change management. One is how do we connect systems to orchestrate what happens in between the enterprise and the transportation management software? And the second is how do we get people to adopt that technology? Well, let's first talk about some of the challenges, though, in the transportation landscape, driven in large part, I imagine, by the impact of e-commerce, that is changes in the types of transportation and capacity that companies are using, shifts in distribution center network strategies, congestion in cities and the like. What are some of the big things that make transportation a challenge from a physical standpoint? What makes it a challenge today in the physical world is that, as you mentioned, the modal footprint, the Amazon effect, what's happening with e-commerce, the distribution center footprints, and that final mile network rapidly evolving has changed the landscape in terms of how organizations are handling their partner network for that final mile. But I'd argue that orchestrating and facilitating that is still the same challenge as it always is, which is 
which partners can I find in the quickest amount of time to fulfill my needs on a network that I've already optimized? We're just changing that final mile in that partner network of DC placement and how we deal with the massive push in e-commerce. So I'd, I'd argue that from an engineering perspective, it's not all that different from managing your partners and where you keep your goods. That part has certainly changed. Well, some companies talk about, when you're talking about which partners should I find, are having challenges finding partners at all at a time when trucking capacity is still an issue, especially in a strong economy. We still are facing what everyone describes as a pretty serious driver shortage. So what about just getting the physical equipment and the drivers to serve you? That's a great point, and I look at that from two aspects. Number one is, what are your traditional channels looking like? And then second would be, are you willing to look at disruptive channels and new business models that keep emerging to try and challenge that in that final mile space? When it comes to smaller parcels and things that you can have some of these startups spinning up an organization that's willing to go from D.C. to people's homes and put packages at their front doorsteps, There's certainly a large space growing there in terms of trying to keep up with what Amazon is doing and offer that same type of service. But when it gets to larger items, something bulk, perhaps they have to cross the threshold, even install something and do white glove service, that challenge certainly is getting exacerbated by the driver shortage. And even with the current change in the market, that problem is only getting more complex to solve. So you're totally right there. What do you mean when you talk about disruptive channels? Are you referring to what some people call the so-called Uberization of logistics, the use of different types of services and individual people and crowdsourcing in order to deliver stuff or value-added stuff? Or what exactly do you mean? Yeah, that's exactly right. Your traditional channels, you have to run your RFPs, you have to rationalize your networks, you have to figure out which partners work in the appropriate geographies versus a new paradigm where if you trust the service provider on the other end, It could be as simple as you set your final delivery specifications, you make a web service call from your system, and there's a company out there willing to understand and figure out how to play Tetris best in the back of someone's car or van, load them up with the optimal route and let them hit the road. I would say that the disruptive force is really taking away some of the algorithmic routing requirements as it relates to final mile and doing that for you automatically where They say, hey, we can handle that through our network. We'll give you all of the tracking updates and all the information you need, but let us handle that for you. And we're seeing that kind of decoupling of the supply chain into small services that you can then consume as a shipper or as a 3PL to make your customers happy. Empty space on trucks, wasted space on trucks has always been a big issue. I'm wondering now, though, with the need for speed to get stuff to the customer as quickly as possible, that makes it even harder. You can't just keep freight waiting around to fill up a van or even fill up a small delivery truck. I wonder if wasted space and inefficiency of transportation becomes an even bigger issue. The empty mile challenge or inefficiencies, whether it's in, to your point, empty miles or whether it's in human workflow and waiting for events to come to you versus having systems look at them, you could argue that that all falls into, do I have enough data to predict what's going to happen with a high enough degree of accuracy so that I don't have to worry about volatility in it. If you think about predictive analytics pipelines and some of the technologies that we're looking at, there's really a growing opportunity there to say, what challenge am I looking to solve, whether that's minimizing empty miles or minimizing the number of touches that people have to perform on any certain activity, and figuring out what that bell curve looks like and managing to the 80-20. 
that I think is a paradigm shift right now where if companies set up their data pipelines in the right way, they'll be able to measure with a high degree of accuracy, again, assuming they have a large enough network or large enough data set to predict some of those fluctuations and try to have separate algorithms that run to fill those gaps, again, whether it's empty miles or something else. Well, you just said the magic word data, and that's going to lead us into a really interesting discussion. But first, I want to just very quickly touch on the integration issue, especially integration of systems. TMSs, transportation management systems, are out there to optimize your transportation. On the other hand, you have warehouse management systems, WMS, out there to optimize your warehousing. Sometimes those two don't work in tandem. Sometimes one type of optimization de-optimizes another. And I'm wondering if you see some issues in, in bringing together different systems for an all-over optimization experience as opposed to them working at odds with each other. Yeah, completely. We've been fighting with that challenge for over a decade and implementing them, and we look at it as a two-phased approach. Number one is, at any point in time, what is the system of record based on the transportation management lifecycle? So is this a procurement or SNOP planning event? Am I looking at my warehousing and my network and trying to figure out where to best place my inventory? versus am I letting transportation drive it, right? So if you go supply chain first versus product first, you need to answer those questions. But to your point, especially on TMS and WMS, and let's just throw in ERP for the fun of it, we need to figure out at what point in the hmm. workflow is that actual system the system of record versus when can I say in the TMS that, hey, don't optimize me, don't touch me anymore. I currently live as an object in the WMS, and when it's done doing its job, then I can execute again. And planning for that workflow is the first part of it where you really, on a shipper-by-shipper -shipper basis, need to understand how their business works and how to best optimize their supply chain for what the system of record is throughout the life cycle of any shipment or any planning exercise. And then from there, once you understand it, that's when the movement of data starts to take over. And it's almost easier to get the data movement piece going versus getting an organization to agree upon what is the system of record based on the appropriate life cycle of any order. But of course, it's all about data these days, or at least largely it is all about data. What does the phrase digital enablement mean to you exactly from the, in the context of transportation management? So one of the most overused terms lately is digital, and everything is digital, and it makes me long for the analog days when I didn't even know they were analog. <laughs> but I think, really, it depends on what you're trying to do, right? So it was almost back when 4PL was the term that encompassed everything that we weren't sure if it fit into the 3PL category. But digital, to me, really means almost an architectural pattern. Are you taking components of your business and exposing them, whether it's internally to make your internal network better or externally to your customers via an API so that you can take the parts of your business that are value drivers, booking orders, sending tracking updates, getting invoices, optimizing shipments, rerouting in real time, and exposing that functionality in a reusable and composable way such that it's easy for business stakeholders to go back to what we were talking about a minute ago, which is, hey, how do I want workflow to work across my enterprise, not just within one system, and then having the backbone of a network to actually enable that without the super high friction traditionally associated with IT projects. Maybe an easier way to say that is, turn your enterprise into a really fun green Lego board and have a bunch of the pieces easily connect and disconnect so that you can optimize your business the way you best see fit. 
You know, in the old analog days, data was a problem, getting access to it, especially on a real-time basis. In fact, real-time was not a phrase that had much meaning back then. I'm hearing you say, or I'm, I'm wondering if you're implying that that's not a problem anymore, that we have the data, and the data is available readily and in real-time. It's just a question of our ability to manage it properly within our own systems. Is that accurate to say? That's exactly right. A lot of businesses, the buzzword before digital enablement and digital transformation a few years ago was data lakes, right? And moving away from data silos to data lakes. And then very quickly, people realized that those data lakes became data swamps. Because if you don't have a strategy to get that information back and know how to use it, does it have metadata around it? Can you identify the exact object that you want for whatever purposes you're trying to solve? And so it's a lot more than just having a ton of data, and a lot of businesses have a ton of data. The question is, can you get to it, and can you find meaning from it, and can you leverage it in real time such that you can make a decision and send the result to the appropriate system or person? And that's the difference between a digital transformation and just having digital components laying on the floor that don't talk to each other. The phrase data analytics can be kind of scary because it implies that suddenly the organization needs a bunch of data scientists at their beck and call in order to make sense of all this, people with mathematics skills that you didn't need before. Is that the case or not? I mean, we, we don't really need to bring in data scientists in order to make this work, do we? That's a great question that we talk about all the time. One of the best, it was years ago at a conference, one of the best terms I heard when someone was trying to explain what a data scientist is, it's a data analyst that lives in San Francisco. Take that a step back and let's go back to the question, but the joke kind of holds meaning, which is, what are we trying to accomplish as a business, right? Are we taking data scientists, giving them a massive columnar data set and saying, find correlations between origin and destination and mode and ship date and market volatility and weather, right? And so, sure, that's a great opportunity for a data scientist to perhaps come up with a machine learning algorithm or a process where when you know what you want to do as a business and you have well-cataloged data and a data pipeline, you can organize yourself really well and give that person something to work with such that he or she can then identify a pattern or a correlation and then feed it back into the business. But let's take all of that jargon and simplify it down to something a little bit more palatable and say, how do I get folks that are making decisions daily to feel empowered that they're making the right choice such that it's data-driven decision-making, not gut-driven decision-making? And that is almost a magnitude greater value driver, in my opinion, than what a data scientist can do right now. Because if you present humans with the right amount of facts, there's certainly can lead to confirmation bias if you give them too much information. But if you give people the right amount of information with a high degree of certainty, that operator can make a better decision feeling armed. You then can see how that evolves into, okay, we're feeding up data points such that a person can make better decisions. And then if you're finding the same few data points are being consumed over and over, can you then look to work with a data scientist to automate that part to now say, can I introduce an answer, whereas before I was just trying to introduce data points for consumption by someone that needs to make a decision. And I feel like that's a big part of the evolutionary step that we're in right now as an enterprise and speaking to some colleagues at, at competitors that a lot of folks are in as well, whether it's in the supply chain space or not, which is I can have a very, very specific use case that a data scientist can solve and that person can do wonders with it. But then you take it back to, 
does that move the needle or am I trying to come up with a disruptive algorithm and all of a sudden I realize I spent all my time trying to find correlations between events that don't matter. So it's very important that you have a strategy for what you want to accomplish with data science, just like you would want to know what you're trying to accomplish with Excel before you just say to someone, hey, go figure out what's related. And even if whether Excel is the tool or Python or R are the tool, you got to know what you're marching towards. The other big challenge that you laid out at the beginning of our conversation was change management. What do you tell your client base as to what they need to do within their organizations, both at the level of transportation management and further up the executive ladder in terms of change management to take full advantage of digital enablement of transportation? Well, the first thing we say is, trust us, we're professionals, but that doesn't go well. Then they need a little <laughs> bit more but it's it's actually built into our process. Our process is really straightforward and, and we break it down into four main steps. The first is discovery, where before we try to introduce anything new, we come in and say, what are you doing today? Can we document it in a really easy to follow manner where you can sign off and sit and say, yep, that's how my business runs pretty accurately. I wouldn't say 40,000 foot view, but at a 5,000 foot view, that's pretty darn accurate. And then we provide them with a future state. The reason I'm saying all of this is change management starts with buy-in way early in the process. If we're explaining current state and we can synthesize and understand that's step one. The next thing is our solution architects and our designers will come in and try and forecast out future state and say, here's a few options on best practices plus the flavor that your company needs because every shipper is different, period, end of story. And that is a truth that I'll fight for forever. But every shipper is different. So here's what your flavor of future state can look like. Then we go into delivery mode, which is let's configure the TMS, let's integrate with WMS, let's apply all of our integration logic such that the systems communicate effectively in real time. And then we get into the delivery stage, which is the stakeholders have been part of this the entire way. They've been signing off on the design, right? Not just the director level and, and above, but operators as well. And we say, here is what your future state will look like. And we prepare the change. When it gets to the final step here, we're doing on-site hand-holding, go-live, change management. And it's not really about teaching how the technology works. That's really easy. It's about changing behaviors and moving things out of, back to circle on our conversation, the analog world into the digital to leverage these tools and to also feel comfortable with what the systems are doing inside of those algorithms and behind the scenes so that the end users can end up truly building a relationship with the technology, understanding what it's about to do for them or their business, right? Whether it's from planning or on the invoice audit side, it doesn't matter. Make them comfortable with it, but then continue hand-holding along the way for new customer onboarding, providing training videos, support, wikis, FAQs. All of that goes a long way into doing what we've been trying to do from day one, which is to build trust. Trust around the end objective as well as trust around the technology. Eric, tell me a little bit about Redwood Logistics. How long has the company been around? A little bit about the history? 
Yeah, Redwood's a, a really neat organization. Redwood's been around since 2001, started as a boutique truckload brokerage organization out of Chicago, focusing on store openings and a little bit of white glove type work. And that kind of commitment to service for some of our original customers has transcended what we've done and how we've grown over the years and has still remained part of our culture, which is we're willing to do what it takes, not just to move the load, but to deliver the right solution. So we consider ourselves a a next-generation logistics service provider or next-generation 3PL in that we do a little bit more than a traditional brokerage. So certainly our brokerage has grown to over a 700-person organization now from where we were 19 years ago with four people. But our evolution was we grew as a small but steady shop in 01, started building our own TMS technology for ourselves and for our brokerage in 04. We went down the path of rationalizing our technology and what value we offer shippers. And in doing so, we realized that a value prop to shippers was also being an asset light carrier. So we evolved into having a truckload offering, which today has over 250 power units and 600 or so trailers domiciled all over the country, but large presence across the the border with Mexico and some warehousing and distribution over the years. But really, brokerage has and continues to be the heart of our business. But as that grew and as we started building closer relationships with our clients around the 2009 to, to 2012, 2013 level, we started really thinking about how can we offer up optimal solutions to shippers, not just moving their freight, which is what got us into transportation management, which got us into becoming a logistics integrator for MercuryGate, which got us into building our own supply chain integration platform. So all of that ended up being this opportunity to say, can we deliver the right solutions for our customers, whether it's by moving freight or delivering supply chain integrations. The short of this, if I were to synthesize it super quickly, is we move freight, we manage freight, and we innovate on behalf of our customers. So whether that's creating real-time integration pipelines, delivering TMS solutions, re-engineering a supply chain, or providing engineering and data and analytics services, we really have prided ourselves around listening to the shipper and delivering innovative solutions that transform their supply chain, and especially now in the digital world, that's more true than ever. Yeah, we're just about out of time, but real quickly, I do want to ask how you see the future. Where where do you think you're going to be directing your resources in the years ahead? What types of new services or what are you really going to be doubling down on? What do you think the future holds for a provider like you in terms of what you offer the marketplace? It's pretty straightforward for us, which is continue to invest and innovate around our brokerage technologies so that we can not just participate, but be part of the digital forces that we do believe are going to transform our space. The other side of that is to take those technologies and start applying them to the shipper market directly. And we're doing that through our supply chain integration platform called Redwood Connect. So our big double down bet is that it's really twofold. It's one, continue to invest in robotic process automation and workflow automation and automated pricing algorithms and machine learning around our brokerage to become a data-driven organization even more so than we are today. And the other side of that is to do that directly for shippers and to provide them with the best tools and integration strategies in the marketplace such that they don't have to worry about their IT departments getting around to digital transformation and change management. We'll handle all of that, help them get to where they need to go, as well as be able to move that freight for them. So we can move it, we can manage it, or we can innovate on their behalf.
Eric Rampell, I really appreciate the opportunity to hear your views on the transportation management landscape and how it's changing in the digital age, as well as a look at Redwood Logistics itself. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Bob. It was truly a pleasure uh, participating here today. That was my conversation with Eric Rempel of Redwood Logistics, talking about managing transportation in the digital age. Our thanks to Redwood Logistics for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.